It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and C92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. It's time now for episode 148 of Three Point Podcast. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. I'm the elder statesman, Ted Fattel. Middleman Matt Burns is on the phone from North Carolina and the young buck Jared Fattel joins me here in the Three Point Podcast Studio. Well, boys, I've got a couple spots to get to, but before we get to those, it's hard to believe. I was kind of just uh, in my mind thinking, how long we've we been doing this? And I looked it up, and this is almost exactly to the day, three years from when we put that silly little uh, 10 minute uh, pilot podcast together to see if this yep. could be a reality. And uh, it's, it's amazing we've lasted three years and we're still talking to each other. Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, you know, first of all, I'm glad to be doing it with you guys. I mean, we're still having fun, and I think, you know, we we definitely disagree on a lot of stuff, but like we've said before, we keep it, we're cool with everything. It's fun to disagree and get into some little debates and arguments if you want to take it that far, but otherwise we have fun with it. So that's the the biggest thing, but yeah, three years is kind of crazy to think about. A lot has happened in three years. Uh, pandemic, uh, Michigan and the Detroit Lions have pretty much, you know, stayed exactly the same over the course of these three years. But what's some of your guys' uh, – do you guys have, like, a favorite uh, maybe episode that we've done in the past? I know mine probably would have to have to be one of the first ones we ever did. 
This was when you knew that we were kind of in our infancy is when one of our guests was uh, Bobby Brackets, who uh, <laughs> may or may not have been one of my buddies under a, a fake name, but he knows his March. He knows his Brackets. So he was a great guest. Uh, lo- always love getting his insight. Yeah, I'm, I'm even on the local front for me, too. I think when we did the uh, 1983 basketball tribute, when we had assistant coach Charlie Carr in here and some of the players from the uh, Chronic Cavalier uh, state championship team, I, th- I thought that was very cool. And, uh, you know, again, our little local flavor there with the uh, 83 Cavs winning the Class B state championship, your dad, the point guard on that team. I, th- I think that was just that was a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, that that was definitely fun. And then that's similar, the inaugural Corona High School Athletics Hall of Fame class, but well, now two summers ago, I guess. Um, that, that was a really fun one to do, too, to talk to some of those Cavalier legends. But, you know, it, I think, you know, not to, to, like, pat us on the back or brag or it's not anything like that, but it's it's pretty impressive to think about. Like, Jared, you're saying through a pandemic and for three years, and it's not like we're the – highest rated most downloaded podcast on apple Podcasts or something like that but for us to do it consistently week by week i think we've missed a couple weeks like because of vacations or maybe holidays or something but otherwise through the pandemic through jared going to school and just our you know day-to-day lives and jobs and everything to uh, be committed to this and still having fun i think it is like actually really cool yeah, and who could ever forget? I did miss one episode because of total hip replacement, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Can you story. actually think about it? You've what? You've became a grandpa, right? Uh, you became I'm a grandpa three you times had a, over now. A new hip. Yeah. Uh, I graduated. Basically, went. Basically, my whole college career is started and ended within since I started this uh, podcast. Uh, and then I like Matt. What is like within the last three years? I'm trying to think. I guess. I mean, just I guess you know, living life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's crazy to think like you listen that stuff off. Like say we we continue this in three years from now, where we're going to be. I mean, I just turned 36, so I'll be 39, pushing 40. Jared, I mean, by yeah. your mid 20s, who knows what you'll be doing? Maybe you'll be making it big somewhere else. Ted, you're going to be fully retired then? Oh, no, no. You to... got, aren't you guys going to keep me around like Lee Corso? Isn't that I, the I plan? I think what we're, we're going to have to do pretty soon is when, as we all keep getting older, we're going to have to bring in another generation, uh, the new young gun. And then I and then I like almost slide into the Week on Four Point podcast. It's not a bad idea. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been a lot of fun. You know, we talked about some of the local local shows we've had. Uh, you know, some of the national people we've had, like John Feinstein, a uh, little bit left to be desired on that one, just a little bit because of sound quality we had at the beginning because of my mess up on the microphone but uh and we found out he was not a mitch album fan yeah that was kind of cool uh yep. R- ryan mcgee that was one of my favorite ones of all time though of all the all the interviews we, yep. we've done and that was one of the first that ones was- and he's kind of a guy that's over the last three years i feel like his career has kind of taken off compared to when we interviewed him the three-point podcast factor maybe yeah <laughs> the sure. boost. Hey, hey there is there's something to that three-point podcast factor because i mean yeah like ryan mcgee now he's Got a you know radio show, TV show. He was just on the sidelines Saw doing that. a Coastal Carolina football game. I'm sure we're going to talk about later. He was the sideline reporter for that. So so yeah, maybe we helped springboard that career. But like to that point, you know, we had on Annie Agar, who right before right before she kind of really blew up, yeah, she was on the podcast. Um, Ant Wright, you know, the former Michigan basketball player. When we had him on, he was you know had some traction on Twitter, you know, whatever you want to say. But since he has kind of blown up a little bit as far as social media and stuff like that and i feel like there's a few other ones who we had on kind of early on and since you know we've seen their their uh, what, what were you calling twitter superstars we've seen yeah. their stardom grow since they've been on the podcast so 
who knows? Maybe we're helping out a little. Well, I hope to get maybe our, our coffee town guy on to do uh, an appearance, do a 15-minute appearance in character of the play-by-play guy he car- covers, because that's awesome. That would be great. No, I love it. I mean, obviously, I always, I almost retweet everything he does, because, man, it cracks me up. And, yeah. So, yeah, that was another cool guest to have on. And just, it's cool. We, we talk about, we love the local stuff. Obviously, we're very proud to be from Corona. We love talking local stuff. But, I mean, he's he's down in Georgia. So, you know, like, that's a... Uh, completely not local, I guess. So it's cool to get some of those, those those guests on from outside the footprint, I guess. Well, happy anniversary to us. We made it three years. I hope uh, for sure we can get going through another three years and keep this thing growing. I see no reason why not. All right, well, we talked little local. Let's uh, tell you a little bit about some local folks that are helping us out. Hankered Sportswear, the area's go-to clothing and more printing business. Many loyal customers, the Hankered Sportswear team, they pride themselves on giving a good product at a great value. Special items for family, sporting, business, and charity events, along with printing for signs and banners for your upcoming events. We had a chance to give away some swag printed up by Hankered at uh, Rivals Tap House and Grill. It was a big success. Speaking of a big success, this family-owned business is really strong. Advanced Elevator Company, they have the best trained professional field technicians for instance troubleshooting and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest, centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools that's Advanced Elevator Company. All right, I know you guys uh, lo- seem to love these Lions wins. Well, and let's set the stage here, too. Yes. We're recording this <laughs> podcast immediately after the Lions win over the Bears. So go you ahead. You guys are sitting there, you know, texting back and forth. You're making sure that you're catching the very ending of this game. This game is meaningless. The only thing that matters for this game is the fact we actually lost the game that we we keep doing this. I know that you have uh you know your bet that you drove three hours to place for a twenty dollar <laughs> over that's gonna cash out to like eighteen fifty when you that you're like holding on to uh, on hand, or sitting on your pins and needles waiting for. But it's it doesn't matter. Lose these games. Uh, do we not? We finally got rid of the coach. We all knew that this team was gonna come out with a lot of like fight and drive as soon as Patricia was gone because they wanted to act like they're not the ones that suck, that it was all the coach, which it was a lot to do with the coach, but they kind of suck in, in their own way. But the thing is, is you guys love it. You guys, I literally overheard you guys talking as I came in here, talking about how all that matters is being entertained for a few hours. No, we're trying to win a Super Bowl here. That, what happened to the Super Bowl aspirations that, Ted, you were talking about like a few weeks ago? How, I still oh, have it's all about. Oh, so how does this win? catapult us toward a well let's look at it this way and i i had a chance to kind of think about it on my way into the studio you know a logical man would agree with you you know try to tank for the better draft selection try to set yourself up but i can't do it i mean we had our guest on last week i'm a true diehard lions fan have been forever and i guess i'm not going to change the way i look at it is during uh, an nfl football season there's 16 holidays. It's 16 weeks when the Lions play. Those are holidays for me. I want to watch it, win or lose, and hopefully more wins than losses. Maybe the new guy will come in and do that. You can't just build a team by the draft. And speaking of the draft, I mean, they're tight end. Yeah, they might have wasted it on a number one with a tight end in Hawkinson. He looks like he can play. He looks like he can play in the NFL and be a, a really good player. So back to your back to your statement, I just get excited when the Lions win, and it's it's one of 16 weeks during the year, especially during a pandemic, it's it's kind of like a holiday for me. I think part of yeah, – I understand the whole tanking thing, and like we saw the Jets, I don't know if you guys saw the highlight, the Jets were beating the Raiders. Did they end up winning like that last, game? Yeah, they gave up a last-second touchdown to the Raiders. They ended up losing. <laughs> oh. people, I saw people saying, like, 
Now, the Jets, they know how to tank. You know, they gave up a last-second touchdown to make sure they lost. I get that to try and help your draft position. But I think maybe it's also because uh, basically since I've been alive, definitely the last 20 years, the Lions almost every year screw up the draft anyway. So, I mean, like you just brought up the Hawkinson thing. It does really look like he's coming into his own. I mean, he might be the starting Pro Bowl tight end for the NFC. But, you know, still taking him top 10 was iffy. Yeah, that's why the whole tank thing. What are the Lions doing? They should be tanking. Like, why do the Lions need to tank? They screw up the draft almost every year anyway. So whether they're picking a cornerback at number three in Jeff Okuda or a tight end at at top 10 or, you know, with Hawkinson, it's kind of like, whatever, man, they're going to probably screw up the draft anyway. So let me be entertained while I'm watching this game. And, you know, who knows? Maybe. Maybe Bevel's going to show something, and I don't no. think they would keep him as head coach, but, you know, maybe he's going to show that he could be a pretty good head coach or something like that. But I, that, I think that's what it comes down to with the tanking thing with me. Like, the Lions just screw up the draft anyway, so why does it matter if they tank or not? That's a loser's mentality, and I understand why you guys have that after all these years of being Lions fans, but it's a joke. It, it's This is not like look at the 76ers in basketball. Obviously, the NBA draft is a little different than the NFL draft, and obviously we don't have the nearly as many losses as like the Jets and the Jaguars, but we still could get a top five pick. And and by blowing these games and quote unquote winning these games, it's it's screwing us over in the long run. We're, we we keep doing this, and you guys wonder why it's we're going on seven like seventy plus years <laughs> since we've won a playoff game. It's be or since we've won a Super Bowl, and then we've won a playoff game here or there. It's because of this. It's the never ending cycle. We got to break it. Well, Matt said it best. We should have kept Patricia. Like I said, <laughs> sorry, we should have kept Patricia for the rest of the season because we know for sure we would have lost those games. Oh uh, well, here don't I, don't you think uh, uh, an NFL team that is successful? Let's just use the the Steelers for example. Example, right they've got stability at the top they've had great head coaches what they've had three head coaches since Chuck Knoll back in the 70s I mean you look at an organization like the Steelers now where are they drafting every year they're drafting low okay. Patriots drafting That's, low okay That's so way why, different what you're saying we have a loser's mentality we have to get to that point you can't just get to that point and and draft first or second and and not get correct picks like the Lions have shown. They've got to get the stability at the top, people that know what they're doing, and, and have a winning attitude again. You know what the Browns did? Lost out, bottomed out. Baker Mayfield made a few draft made a few other nice draft picks here and there, traded for a few guys, and now look at them now. Nine they're wins. They're playing they're, they're, playing they're, well playing well this they year. What did they do said, last year? We're done doing the you know, the well, middle of the road. Well, Let's just completely cut all ties and lose every game we possibly That's a good can. example, but what did they do last year? It wasn't such a good year for Baker, was it? So you have your ups and downs. It still have to have stability at the at the top of the organization. And I think at some point too, like I know this year, kind of I mean, this year's kind of already lost. Even if say they win that win out and they finish nine and seven, I doubt that's going to happen. But let's just say that happens. You need to like build some sort of positive like energy or something because even though you're going to be bringing in a new GM, maybe a whole completely staff, offense, defensive coordinator, head coach, you know, there might just be a completely new uh, staff with the Lions next year. I feel like if you just, like, tank and lose out, it's just continuing that same old Lion, we suck, why would a Lewis Riddick want to come and be the GM of the Lions if he's sitting there watching this roster that he would have to, you know, look over, oversee, and they're just a bunch of losers. Like, I I feel like there's something like that, too. Like, if Stafford, if, if he really wants to stay in Detroit, then maybe he wants to like go out and take the season, you know, out on a high note or something like that. So 
sometimes I think about that. Like, yeah, you want the, the Jets or you want your team to, to lose out, but that just continues the, like, losing mentality and, you know, it makes the Lions or the fans even more apathetic, more than they already are. And so I, I just think about that sometimes. Like, sometimes you just need to win. Get some wins and finish the season on a high note. And then even if you do drop in the draft, you know, as far as your pick where you're picking, you know, oh, well. But at least you won some games. At least you got some positive vibes going. Somehow, some way, and I don't know what the answer is, they have to get rid of the SOL mentality. It just has right. to happen. I mean, that's, don't you guys think that's the number one problem? Really? What, what, what sounds better to you? Is it, is, it number, is it the 18th pick or is it the sixth pick? Six pick. Okay, so just keep winning these games, man. We're we're, we're climbing the ladder. You're, you're and I, going the opposite direction. So I, I don't know. Pretty, it's pretty simple. You brought up the like the NBA with the Sixers, and you did. You said that you know the NBA is very different, and I think that's part of it too. Like obviously, the NBA is very different. The draft in the NBA usually is very top heavy. Like the top four, five, maybe six or seven picks are like going to be difference makers when they come in day one. And for, for the most part, the rest of the draft, you know, like it's just a crapshoot. But the NFL, like college football is so good now. Like, yes, if there's a Trevor Lawrence, you, you know, you want him number one. Every once in a while, there are these like for sure clear cut number one, two or three picks. We just took a cornerback at number three when we probably could have taken a cornerback at 18 or 20. And he probably would have been just as good as Okuda has been this year. So that's part of it, too. Like the NFL draft. I, the, the players are so good. I mean, there's guys like I just saw just, I don't know, for example, Donovan Peoples-Jones, when did he get drafted? Like in the sixth round or something this year? And he's like, he's one of the Browns' best receivers this year. So like, yeah, you don't want to bank on fifth, sixth, seventh round draft picks. But like, I think you, like saying that the 18th pick is not quality. I mean, some of the best players that the Lions have picked have been in that range. I mean, like Frank Ragnow and some of these other guys aren't like number one pick. So you can still get value at a 15, 18 or something like that in the draft. Yeah. I mean, their, their top thing they have to do their top choice. They have to have a GM or, or a president, whoever's making the personnel decisions, they got to know what the hell they're doing, which they haven't proven that they've been able to do. I don't know. The difference between, uh, you know, these five, six, seven selections here. I know there are the chances that obviously you can get a really good quarterback. Even, I mean, Tom Brady in the sixth round. Really? But when you're just looking at the mock drafts, it's the difference between that is there's Devontae Smith at, like, you know, a 10th position, and then there's us getting a lineman at the 15th. Like, there's, there's like, those five slots are huge. Imagine if we didn't have – obviously, we didn't – why do I keep saying obviously? Good Lord. That's your word. <laughs> Tua, we had Tua last year. If if we were taking a – like, let's just say roles were reversed and we were winning games last season and we didn't – and we wanted to draft a quarterback, we could we wouldn't have had the ability to take a Tua. There's like guys like Trey Lance. There's guys uh, like the quarterback for BYU that are going to be there in the 5 to 10 range that we are playing out of. And now we're going to get stuck with Mitch Trubisky with, like, the 12th pick. That's what's happening here. Well, that all ties yeah, together. But, yeah, but the, the thing about Trubisky is Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were taken after Trubisky. So yes, yes. I would much rather <laughs> take a guy after the position Trubisky was. I know what you're saying. But, you know, even with QBs, unless it's a Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, the guy for BYU, do we really think those guys are, like, for sure home runs? I mean, even Tua right now, like, he's gotten a little banged up and looked a little iffy. I know we were all, like, high on the Lions drafting Tua, but that's not necessarily a home run. Who knows if Trevor Lawrence is even going to be a home run? You never know anymore. So, I, I like 
losing games and just like Ted said, continuing that same old Lions mentality. I think like everything with the Lions need to change. Everything. Yep. Winning games, management, mindset, the loser mentality, fan base, everything. If we're just going to keep tanking every year, then what's going to change? Yeah, I know you were talking about quarterbacks too, and obviously the Lions need to look down the road. I've, I've changed my mind a little bit on on my thought there. I know we've talked about maybe this year after it's done, find a package to get rid of Stafford, let him go somewhere else, maybe oh have some my. success. I've changed my mind. He's thirty. He's thirty two years old, right? If you if you do draft a quarterback, there's there's six quarterbacks out there. Lions will have a chance to get a decent quarterback probably within the first couple of rounds if they want to bring somebody in and groom them. But I think I think Stafford still has something in the tank. If he wants to play in Detroit, it's going to be the key factor there. I mean, an NFL team can turn it around really quickly like the Browns did. You mentioned them. Stafford, like I said, is only 32 years old. I mean, you see uh, Green Bay's quarterback still doing it at 37. And Stafford, even with that picky through late in the game today, what, he drove him 95 yards down the field, still had over 400 yards in the game, and still can be a top-flight NFL quarterback. So I, I don't I don't know if I'd get rid of him right now if you're starting a new regime. So we're just going to – he's eight up 20 years of the Lions. But, it feels like tw- – it's my whole lifetime as a Lions fan. It feels like he's been the quarterback. Yeah. He's had and no, he's had no help. He's had no help. He's had no help. He's got pretty good wide receivers right now. And you were just talking about how this tight end is is, um, is incredible. You're just saying that. I say, yeah, the offense didn't hurt him today. The defense wasn't playing well. I'm not saying that we kick Stafford out immediately. I'm saying we get some guy in the wings. I'm not against and that. Just like Aaron Rodgers. With Let him far, One year, two years, then we trade Stafford. Well, hey, so, we gotta, so if we have a quarterback on the board and we just got to take a bunch of swings this in the drafts, we need to stop drafting the the sure guy, the sure thing linemen, the running backs. We need to draft some guy who's going to come out of nowhere and be a superstar transcendent talent. Yeah. And that's what we need to do with quarterback, like a Trey Lance or somebody. Just roll the dice and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely I'm definitely not against – man, I, I'm kind of with you, Dad. I <laughs> I was like preparing myself for the Lions to move on from Stafford and figure out a way to trade him, but I've almost started to drift back too and think like, yeah, he is only 32. If they can get the right coach, the right G- everything, GM, offensive coordinator, and maybe add a couple other pieces on offense, and you know, Hawkinson's going to be getting better. You know, maybe they can kind of revitalize his career at this point. Who knows? So I, I'm like with you, but I definitely think they need to like figure out the future. I mean, they signed the you know the backup Chase Daniel to like a backup quarterback deal. Like that's that's not the answer of the future. Like you're not going to rely on him if you trade Stafford. So right, I, I definitely think they need to start thinking about the Aaron Rodgers situation, draft a quarterback. But you know, like Jared, you said the running back thing. That's just another example of like the Lions screwing up running backs. The last two years, they've spent second round draft picks on running backs. And who's the best running back the Lions have right now? AP, baby. Five-year-old Adrian Peterson that they just picked up a week before the season started. So it's like the Lions just – they don't draft well. I don't know what it is. So that's where the, the GM – they need a new GM to come in and change everything, start drafting well. And, you know, maybe, maybe they can turn, turn things around. But the Stafford thing, man, that, it's interesting because I just looked it up. His, his deal goes – he's got two, three more years on his deal. So it's like – it's almost if you can't trade him now, like it's almost like you do have to stick it out for the rest of his contract or something. So, well, yeah, because you can't you can't take that salary cap hit and you don't get anything for it. That's the last thing they need. Yeah, I'm all for rolling with Stafford for another couple of years. I do think we need to be drafting quarterbacks um, in the first couple of rounds, maybe two, the next two years, and just be like the Cardinals and just hope that one of them pans out. Right. Uh, in terms of 
you know, dra- not drafting well. Obviously, that goes, dude. How many times do I say that? <laughs> Holy smokes! No edits allowed, I mean, in, Matt. In three years, we should have we should have taken tallies in so, three years. Right? Said it probably three thousand times. You say that, years. I say you know a lot, so you're not alone. <laughs> we it, it, maybe a coach can turn around Stafford. And I think the only way that we do that is it seems like the new hot name is Robert Sala. I even saw this kind of made me a little bit upset. 37 Michigan legislators uh, made a heartfelt letter to the ownership of the Lions that they should bring this guy in. I'm not the like, what the hell is the government doing with my tax money type guy? (laughs) But that's the first time where I read that. And I'm like, what are they doing in their offices right now? Why, there's a coronavirus going on right now. There's all these other things that are a lot bigger issues than these 37 <laughs> bigwigs putting together, putting their brain caps on and trying to find the new head coach of the Lions. You know, like, could... what a joke. What, Like, for real? Like, they honestly thought that was, like, ser- like, serious? Let's send this in and let's put our two cents on this? It's stupid. It's annoying. It should, ki- it should piss people off. It does kind of tick me off, and it annoys me a little bit, too, and especially due to the fact that, I think the guy is a viable candidate. You know, throw out the fact that he he grew up in Dearborn and he's got roots here. He's a heck of a defensive coordinator, and people are saying, "Well, you can't go for a defensive coordinator." Look what Lions' luck has been with that. Everything they've tried has been crap. It doesn't matter what kind of coach you bring in. You got to have somebody that knows what they're doing and has the knowledge to hire a couple of decent coordinators, and then you got to have a good GM. It's pretty simple. Four pieces right there that can set that organization the right way. Yeah, I, I feel like if. If they're not, like we talked about before, if they're not going to go after like a young, hot, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, offensive-minded, the enemy or Joe Brady or something like that, Lincoln Riley, you know, the Oklahoma head coach, if you're not going for something like that, then, you know, Dollar is probably the best guy, if he wants to come in, to come in for the job because he is solid. He has, he has that, like, fiery energy that he might, you know, spark the franchise or something like that. And he's got, you know, he knows, he knows the state. He knows the – the fan base and what we've all been going through and everything. So I, I think if you're not going to get one of those young offensive minded guys, you got to go with him. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The, the legislators writing up a letter. It was I, like, when I read it, I thought it was like an onion article or something. <laughs> and I was like, what is this for real? What are we talking about? And again, the lions are also every indication I'm seeing on social media and in the press they're they're looking to probably hire a head coach before they hire a, a team president or GM. What what do you guys think about that strategy? It really doesn't make sense. It, it's it's so backwards. Bring somebody with some knowledge. Like it's almost like they don't they want this decision to be 100% theirs and yes. not somebody who might know a thing or two about football. So yeah. they're just going to make this big hire because they know if they bring the GM in first that that guy's going to be the one that takes control and makes the hire. It's it's just a, it's a control issue. Hire the GM, then the coach. That's how it should always be. It should. Because yeah, I mean that that's what happened, right? With Bob Quinn and comes in and he has Jim Caldwell there. And he hates the coach. Has a playoffs and pretty decent job, but for some reason, you know, wasn't good enough. So yeah, that that would be interesting if they hired the head coach first. Yeah, the name I'm hearing is if they bring Sala in, the the GM they're looking at right now, pretty hot and heavy, is the former Cleveland Browns GM. What do you think about that? The hard knock star. <laughs> oh my god! All I can, dude. I don't, no, I do not want John Dorsey. John Dorsey may was an absolute clown on hard knocks. I mean, to put it put it lightly, and the, that it just you wonder why the Steelers have this long tradition. It's because it's it's like the GM and the coach are hand in hand. When you bring in a coach, all the GM is going to do as soon as things go bad is the GM's just going to say, He'll "Oh, blame this coach, the coach is an idiot." Yeah. 
and then we almost just r- hit the recycle button, just like we did with Bob Quinn. Get rid, of, get, gets rid of Caldwell, brings his own guy in. This guy's an even bigger idiot. Big joke. And then he, they're both out of jobs. You gotta bring in two guys that are gonna be a really good team. And that's how you put together, like, you make good draft picks. That's how you kind of match what your philosophy is as a coach and, like, a GM just trying to get the best players in your, like, locker room. That's how you do it. Wow, that might be the best 15, 20-second segment I think I've ever heard you <laughs> broke well, it's, down. It's, it's, you it's, broke well, it down perfectly. Well, you would, it seems like it's as common – like, it's, it's obvious. Like, it would seem like you would want those guys to, like, be hired in together. I don't understand it. All right. I think we've, uh, I think we've broken down the Lions well enough. I mean, we are – Matt and I are kind of giddy. They did come up with a big win. Did you watch the end of the game, Jared? I, I did watch the end of the game. I watched the first with your dad, quarter, with your, and then I watched the last, the fourth quarter. I, two quarters I watched. All right. Well, you watched the good stuff, I guess, especially the end. They came up with the W. Well, speaking of the W, Ohio State's probably looking at another one coming up this weekend. We'll talk about college football here in just a second, but I want to tell you about Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Keep supporting them by calling in your takeout order. Rivals Tap House and Grill in Corona at the corner of M21 and State Road. I got a couple other messages I want to talk about, but before I do, I, I had a thought today. Um, it's a political thought, Jared. You excited about that? No. <laughs> it's uh, no. in this state, you know, we have the shutdown, right? Restaurants can't, you can't eat at a restaurant, but you can go to Walmart, you can go to any store. As long as you have your mask on, you can go in there with other people and shop. Why is it that restaurants get shut down but the other other businesses don't and i'm not i'm not for shutdown in general but why not why not let the restaurant stay open at 25 percent capacity social distance i i don't quite understand that what's the difference between that and stores is it something to do with like the size like you know you think of a walmart a home depot huge spaced out you know tall ceilings ventilation is it, isn't it something to do with that and you think about some of the restaurants a little more, more smaller compact and um, you know, isn't it something to do with that? I feel like I've heard that before. You know, maybe it is, but, you know, I, I just read the ad of from from Rivals, and that place has plenty of room to spread out, high ceilings. I mean, you know, it just it just seems like the restaurant business, this is Ted Fattel's social statement, has been uh, picked on a little it bit. It is kind of, it's almost because it's like, well, well, Christmas is right around the corner. We can't shut down the shops. We right. can't shut down the shops. Christmas is right around the corner. No, it, sh- it really should be shut down. I'm not going to lie. I've been in a shop or two right. uh, since the restaurants have been shut down, but it's it still is pretty idiotic. I will agree with you on that political take. How, how about that? How about that? Well, before we get into some sports talk, I also want to tell you about our friends at Nelson House Funeral Homes. Their top goal is to serve the families in our community. Number one priority, caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. More info on the web at nelson house and Sheridan Auction Service. They always have a wide variety of items and real estate on their docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Well, Ohio State missing their coach, missing a bunch of players, went in and pounded the Spartans 52-12. to Probably not a good prelude to the Wolverines if they play that game coming up this Saturday. I don't know about you guys. I need this game to be played. I, I need the game to be played. For once, I'm kind of almost rooting for, well, it's basically a win-win. Michigan somehow, some way pulls up the upset of my lifetime in all of sports. Or we get blown out by 400 and it's hilarious. <laughs> so it's a, win, it's a classic win-win. That's why I need this game to be played kind of a win-win and I'm not sure I'd think it'd be hilarious to get blown out by 400 but I, I see your <laughs> you know point what? why are you laughing you know it's kind of <laughs> well, funny it's kind of funny 
in a you sad know, way. The thing is, I, I don't know if you guys have seen people talking about, obviously you guys have seen people talking about where they stand on the whole Harbaugh issue. And yeah. I'm sure we'll, we'll maybe mention that, you know, because he's still sitting here without an extension, so it's like, what are they going to do with Harbaugh? But I've seen some people say that, like, kind of like to your point, Jared, they want Harbaugh, the people who want Harbaugh to be gone, they want this Ohio State game to be played so, you know, Ohio State can probably win by 60 or something like that and just make Harbaugh look even worse. And I, I don't understand, like, people that think Michigan, if the athletic department is on board with bringing Harbaugh back right now, I don't think an ass-whooping by Ohio State's going to, like, change their mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everyone already knows Ohio State's better than Michigan. It's not like all of a sudden if they go into Columbus and lose by 30 or 40, you be like, you know what, actually this, this convinced us you, you need an extension, Harbaugh. So I, I think as far as, like, the Harbaugh situation goes, this game doesn't matter one way or the other. Right. Don't you think the decision's been made one way or the I other? I believe he's staying on board. That's Do just you? the. That's just my – it seems like there hasn't been a whole lot of – we all follow basically every single Michigan football <laughs> Twitter account that there is under the under the uh, the moon. So we know if there were, like, rumors swirling about potential head coaches. Like, with Urban Meyer at Texas, you see pictures of, like, oh, this guy, he's sitting in a Texas hotel room right Yeah, now. Austin. There's nothing like that regarding Michigan, nothing like that regarding Harbaugh. I think he's here for at least one more year. Yeah. Unless, like, unless it's just like a seventy to zero, like somehow, like Matt, like I, I do agree with what Matt said. Like, I don't think it's gen, like a one percent chance that somehow a just absolutely humiliating loss would mm-hmm. maybe say just like we're done, we're out. Yeah, yeah. yeah it seems like it, like everything is trending towards they're going to give him another shot. Like, I, not necessarily like give him a pass on this year, but almost in a sense, like this year's just been so crazy. Everything involved, like. Like I said, you're not giving them a pass because this has been a terrible year. They have had some bad losses, and the program almost has like fallen apart a little bit. So you're not giving them a pass, but it's almost like okay, let's let's give you a traditional offseason. Hopefully, uh, you know, with this COVID stuff, hopefully they get a, a more traditional offseason, and let's see how things go next year because they do have a decent recruiting class coming in next year, and a lot of guys got some experience this year. That is one good thing, I guess, out of this season. A lot of young players have gotten experience. Haven't looked that good, but at least, you know, some young guys have gotten some experience. So hopefully if they do bring Harbaugh back, they make – I think we've said this and a lot of people have said it too. If they bring Harbaugh back, you have to make some changes on the staff, whether definitely Don Brown or if you're going to make a change on the offensive staff. You have to do something like that because if you just bring everyone back and kind of like run it back again – I don't know how you can like convince anyone that anything's going to improve. No. I, I, let me throw a name out here that actually just came to my mind when I was watching football on Saturday. Gus Malzahn, Auburn head coach. And I know what you guys are probably uh, thinking is that he's he's middle of the pack, SEC. Here's one thing. SEC is ten times harder than the Big Ten. Other than Ohio State, the SEC is ten times a tougher conference than the Big Ten. This guy is beating Alabama. You don't think that he can beat Ohio State. He could beat Ohio State if you break the bank, get him to Michigan, and implement his offense. He's an offensive mastermind. His offense is a, is a blast to watch. Let's get this guy in here. I, I love him. That's my – I'm throwing his hat into the ring. <laughs> break the bank, get him to Michigan. So would you take him over Iowa State's Campbell? Yes. You would right oh, now? Yes. yes, I love Malzahn. Okay. I'm not I, – I understand people's, like, maybe excitement with Campbell. He's a young guy. He's turned Iowa State around. So I get, like, the, the potential there, the promise, what could be with him. And, you know, he, he has that passion. You see all of his speeches and, you know, his energy on the sidelines, kind of like what Harbaugh used to be. So I, I get people being excited about him. 
but I, I've said it a hundred times on here before. I just I wonder if like the risk of firing Harbaugh, potentially losing more recruits, potentially losing whatever kind of momentum he had built, and hiring the wrong guy, if that would be bad. I, Gus Malzahn, I like. I mean, I don't even think Auburn's going to move on from him, and I mean he's not necessarily running like a great program down there. He's had a lot of stuff swept under the rug that he does behind the scenes. So I don't know if Michigan would want to bring in Gus Malzahn, but I, I want to see them move on from Don Brown. I'd love to see them bring in Derek Mason, who was just fired from Vanderbilt, and he coached with Harbaugh at Stanford. And I, I tweeted it out, but if, if Urban Meyer really does go to Texas, I would break the bank for Tom Herman and make him the offensive coordinator. And if Harbaugh, if Harbaugh wants to work with him on the offense or just give Tom Herman the offense, do that. you got to break the bank, though. Like you said, Jared, you know, breaking the bank for Melzahn, you have to do that. You can't, like, if you're going to extend Harbaugh, you can't give him more money. You know, you can't do that. You have to give him a pay cut, and you have to pay some coordinators big money to turn this around. Yeah, and if Michigan is going to be looking for a new head coach, I don't think I don't think their athletic department, I don't think they have the balls to fire Harbaugh. So, I mean, if, if that job is opened up, I think it's because Harbaugh – gets a better offer in the NFL. I really do. I don't I think he's coming back too. That's my gut feel. I'm not sure what they have to do to get him back. You think uh, a two-year extension would do it? That gives him 3 years. What do you think? I don't know. The the one thing that makes me worried is about going after all these offensive coordinators, defensive coordinator, potential candidates is who's it's I worry about people taking that job knowing that this is a win now. You have to win this season or Harbaugh and his entire staff are probably going to get canned. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody like the Vanderbilt former head coach and he just gets fired as a head coach then he goes to become a defensive coordinator then he gets fired again next thing you know he's a, he's at a max school he's at central michigan playing uh, coaching the defense that's what i would be or, worried about or you could look at it as you know say mason or even tom herman or you know whoever that, that they could bring in at a coordinator position they could look at it as like this is maybe their shot to prove they can turn around michigan's offense they can turn around michigan's defense or if in a year, year or two three four years Harbaugh moves up back to the NFL, well, they're in position to take over Michigan. Or then they're in position to get a promotion to another Big Ten, Big Ten school or something like that. So I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, it could seem like it's a, like a Band-Aid situation, just bringing in some of these guys. But it could also be like uh, fix everything and you, you turn Michigan back around and maybe win a national title or something. Because, you know, I think about, like, I tweeted out from our, our three-point pod site, like, Ed Orgeron right now, LSU is like not looking. They're like middle of the pack in the SEC right now. And overall, Orgeron has been like a, a pretty mediocre head coach everywhere he's been. Ole Miss, USC, and and now uh, LSU. But he had that one year last year where it all clicked with Joe Burrow and everyone ran the table, won the national title. So it's like, would would you take that? Like, say you extend Harbaugh, and you know next year is maybe an improvement, but then the year after that, for everything clicks run the table, win the Big Ten, make the college football playoff. Like, would you take that? I mean, I think most Michigan fans would. Like, like the one outlier season, basically like 1997, was an outlier season for Michigan football. And then back to the 9-10 wins. I, I feel like most Michigan fans would take that. Well, we would. And, you know, and you brought up the, the fact that you, you wouldn't give Michigan a pass on this season. That's a good point. you got to give most teams out there a pass on this pandemic season. But – Michigan, you could say, yeah, we'll give you a pass if they're two and four record if they were competitive, but they've been getting just completely crushed and embarrassed. That's that's the yeah. disturbing the disturbing thing to me. You know, I mean, yep. they're not even in games, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, you look at the Michigan State game, Jared, as you like to call it, the Spartan Super Bowl against Michigan, and they just got beat fifty-two to twelve. 
to Ohio State, that doesn't say, I mean, that doesn't say a lot for Michigan going into the game there at the horseshoe. Heck, if they can be within 30 points, I think that's the spread. Let, okay, let me paint a scenario for you guys. We have Michigan. You know, obviously this game is in the balance whether it's going to happen or not. Would you rather see Michigan drop out and Ohio State play a top 10 team like I don't just ran sort of like what BYU and Coastal Carolina just did where all of a sudden they're bringing in I don't know Notre Dame or something and those two are playing basically for the college football playoff or would you rather just play Michigan Ohio State take off the Michigan hat let's be honest I would rather just see Ohio State play a legitimate contender than somehow some way get screwed out of being in the college football playoff because they don't have enough games because teams like Michigan and I know Kirk Herbstreit had to apologize for what he said he said what everyone was thinking 100% 100% what everyone was thinking. And I know that it's, you know, a little bit dicey what he said, but it's like, I don't, it's just, we know that that's potentially what is happening around this country. Right. But in, I, I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there, but in his position, he can't, you can't say that. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He apologized. I thought his apology went on and on and on. I, it was sincere, I'm sure, but he knew the kind of goof he made and it just, it just made it worse. I mean, Ward Manuel lit him up. Oh my God. He showed Didn't up. Dabble he showed Sweeney. up. Dabo Sweeney is a head coach, and he was saying this stuff about Florida State, and no one cared. Everyone was agreeing with Dabo Sweeney, saying this guy's awesome. I don't understand how how can a head coach say that, but an analyst whose job is to do that sort of thing can't. Like, and a guy like Kirk Herbstreit. Well, like, first, first of all, do you he, really? I think he's earned enough of like a. Hold on. Just because he went to Ohio State, who cares? He's. We all know that he's not super. Uh, like judgmental against Michigan. No, normally but, not. But do, do you honestly think if it wasn't for COVID? that Michigan would back out of that game. Well, they, they wouldn't have a built-in excuse is the thing. But, but you don't need an excuse. If you actually have COVID, okay, running <laughs> oh. through your program, there is no excuse. Herb Street said they, they'll use that for an excuse. There's two different stories there. Yeah, and the other thing, like the dabble thing, like he is, those words are coming from a head coach's mouth. Herb Street was putting words in her uh, head coach's mouth. I mean, when, when Dabo says it, it's like, okay, this is a head coach saying it, so that's why maybe you, you don't get as mad. But when an analyst says, I'm hearing from around head coaches, and, you know, he's, like, throwing out these kind of things, it's like, wait, 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 who are you, like, pointing fingers at? Because, you know, if you're saying that Harbaugh and Michigan are going to quit on the Ohio State game, no one said that, you know. So I think that's the difference with Herb Street saying that. And also the, the side of that, too, is there's been, I don't even know how many, 100 games or whatever canceled this season already. Why? when Michigan potentially is, is going to be out of the Maryland and then the Ohio State game, why does this become Michigan's tucking their tail and running because they don't want to play Ohio State? Why has none of the other analysts or no one else been saying this about any other school? It's just when Michigan finally gets an outbreak and potentially can't play the Ohio State game, and obviously they're having a really bad season, that it becomes like, a, oh, they're scared to play Ohio State or something. It's like Ohio State's already had games canceled. Were they scared to play? Illinois or some of these other teams were they scared to play their games why is it only a thing with Michigan isn't it ironic that Ohio State's played the least amount of games in the Big Ten the team that really honestly needs to be playing these games that they haven't like it's if they're I I understand that maybe it's just crazy by chance the team that blows everybody out by 50 points in the Big Ten has the least amount of games yeah I don't I I don't blame them for being pissed because of the way the Big Ten handled the whole situation exactly that's the thing that's the root of it is why why was the the schedule set up the way it was well first of all they should have started the season what three weeks sooner than they did at least two weeks sooner so they had a little buffer zone to play some of these games they left themselves no room for error 
We talked about it on this podcast right at the beginning that it was stupid scheduling, stupid decision by the Big Ten, playing it too safe. And now, look, you got one of the best teams in the country. They're talking about them not making the playoffs. They, I think it's all going to work if out If they for don't them. make it, if I'm Ohio State, I'm leaving the Big Ten. <laughs> think about it, the Big Ten without Ohio State is uh, is is even worse than the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. Like if the if they don't have Ohio State, the Big Ten has no title contenders at all. Pretty much, at, like over the last ten years, they haven't had a title contender. Yeah, maybe Wisconsin, you know, yeah. makes a little noise. I guess Michigan State made the college football playoff, but they got their doors blown off yeah, when they got there. Like... But yeah, Ohio State is is definitely the more the most legitimate candidate from the Big Ten. So yeah, they I, they would be they would have every right if Michigan can't play this weekend and they can't figure out another game like what BYU and Coastal Carolina just did, then, yeah, Ohio State has every reason to be pissed at, at the Big Ten because they'll throw together some game. I, I don't know who they could – someone from a different conference, if they're healthy and can come up to Columbus and play a game, they should, they should be able to do that. Well, how awesome was it that Coastal Carolina did put it together with BYU and it was one of the best games of the whole weekend? It was, it was exciting. Uh, two 9-0 teams going head-to-head. It comes down to the final play of the game. I mean, that was incredible. What, what cracks me up, and this is just kind of a crazy sliding glass doors moment, is Eastern Michigan, all right, mm-hmm. plays Coastal Carolina. Game one last season at Coastal Carolina beats them. This season, Coastal Carolina, like nine and zero college game day appearance. This season for Eastern, one and five. They won their first game last night. It's just weird how in first one place year, Western wasn't yes, it? In one year, how it can just totally flip on its head. But that's the one positive, and that's why it got my brain sort of churning. Like we can get a lot of crazy matchups out of thin air because of that. Like if it, if Michigan Ohio State is canceled, let's get Ohio State another team and let's do this. They should be allowed to. I think they. I think the Big Ten commissioner or Big Ten athletic directors should get on a quick zoom call and allow it I, I really do if that is the case that michigan can't play yeah because i, I think most people if, if you're being honest and you've watched enough college football in ohio state you know that they're they're one of the four best teams in college football you know yes obviously they could you know like when they lost to purdue a couple of years ago you could lose any game you never know you could lose a game but the way they're playing right now if they can't play michigan on saturday they're still one of the four best teams in the country. So leaving it at like an arbitrary, you have to play X amount of games to make the Big Ten championship and then the college football playoff, it kind of doesn't make any sense because this year is already like crazy as it is. So why not just go ahead and put them in because you know they're the four best because, right, BYU and Coastal Carolina threw this game together two or three days before the game actually happened. So you can make exceptions, and I don't see why they wouldn't do it. One thing that's kind of a funny visual to me is just thinking of how, like, a West Coast team going to the East Coast, playing a game. Like, just what a, like, super spreader event. All right, <laughs> we're heading back West. All right, see you guys later. Like, don't hopefully you don't spread uh, COVID throughout the entire nation. But, no, it's awesome. I will, I'm glad that Coastal Carolina won. I love this team. Just something about it in the Mullets versus the Mormons. It was a great yeah, matchup. Yeah, that was a great. I hate BYU. Something about the BYU in their quarterback wearing the any t- anytime, any team, any place, like, headband with the, like, frat ball. Boy, like hair flip and just like <laughs> and you wonder why he's getting planted like after the play is because there's no way that guy's not talking loads of shit on the on the field like just the way he the way they kind of are built and like their characters on their team i do not like byu yeah they do they do come off a little like pompous or whatever and especially now that they were kind of making a case to be in the college football playoff i think they were feeling themselves a little bit and yeah coastal carolina they just they're that they they play with the ultimate like chip on their shoulder like 
everyone always says they're too small. The football program has only been around for like 16 years. The school's only been around 18 or 19 or something like that. So, you know, it's in, it, it's right outside of Myrtle Beach. So, like, most people don't really take them seriously. They're in the same state as Clemson, so really no one takes them seriously in that sense. But, like, I saw their, their starting center is five foot nine. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> 290. So, you know, you look at their roster sometimes, and their offensive line, it was probably smaller than your offensive line, Jared, yeah. senior year in high school because, you know, they're, they're like a five foot nine center. So, you know, when you look at that, they got the mullets. You know, they're out there playing, you know, just like – driving the quarterback into the, the ground when they're blocking him and, you know, doing stuff like that. They're a fun team to watch. Now, would they do well against Alabama or, you know, Clemson? You know, I don't know. But this would be the year to have an 18 playoff and put Coastal Carolina in the playoff. Let's see what they do. Why not? It would have been nice if they had some kind of contingency to do just that, to expand the playoffs this year, because then you can we could throw away the arguments no, at Ohio I, State. I, I, I don't I don't agree with that. Don't? This year, uh, it's almost a throwaway year. Yeah. We don't want the first year that, you know, the big expansion to eight teams to be a year like this. No. Keep it for next year, or even keep it for maybe five years down the road. I, the the Couchwell playoff hasn't gotten old for me yet. Mm-hmm. I know, I know we all want to see eight teams, but I'm okay with the format as it's currently constructed because when we were doing the BCS, if they would have told me we were going to have a four-team playoff, I would have said, I'll take that for the rest of my life. That's fine. That's a perfect way to decide a champion. I can live with yeah, that. I, I, yeah, I'm definitely I – don't, I don't hate the four-team playoff at all. I just it, – it does stink when you think about teams like BYU, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, you know, or a few years ago when, when Western Michigan went undefeated. These teams essentially they, they basically have zero shot to make a four team playoff unless they schedule an SEC team or something like that in the non conference and win that game. That that's the only thing that does bother me. Some of these teams, even if BYU ran the table, they were gonna have no shot to make the playoffs. So that that's the only thing. It's kinda hilarious. The like basically this is what they have to do if you're one of these schools. You have to win out like an entire year, like Coastal Carolina this year. Then next year, like one of the first couple games, you have to schedule a big Power Five school, beat them, and then go undefeated again. Then maybe we'll consider you in the college ball playoff. Kind of like the UCF you, situation. Yes, yeah, and they never could. Like no one's ever going to be able to do that. That's why Boise State never got that chance, even with Kellen Moore. Like you're never going to. No team ever, even Alabama, can't do that. Right. So yeah, you basically have to go on a two-year run. You almost have to go twenty-four and zero. Yeah. To actually make the college football playoff. Yeah. I will say this though, Coastal Carolina. I mean, we've known they've been out there. I haven't followed them that closely, but they're they're another step closer to really becoming a big time program, aren't they? I mean, they have had a lot of publicity. It's not a bad spot to go to school, Myrtle Beach area, and uh, if you know if they can keep it going, what about they, this they coach make a step what up. Local Carolina's coach. Yeah, no, we no. don't even know his name. So <laughs> I, I don't think know that kind of answers answers the question. Yeah, I mean, people people are talking about him maybe getting an upgrade. I don't know if he'd get an upgrade to Michigan, you know, but maybe to an ACC. Or a smaller SEC school, but but yeah, like they, I, you know, I wonder if this stuff is only going to build Coastal Carolina up into a, like a pretty good program, you know, with game day there. Obviously, everyone knows about them now; they're having fun. It's at Myrtle Beach. Like I, I thought about it, like man, you know, just picking on Jared because you're the most recent one to go to college out of the three of us. Why you did it wrong by going to Grand Valley? Yeah. Why wouldn't you go to Myrtle Beach? <laughs> like your four years. I know you didn't go for four years. Yeah, but your four years of going to college. If you, like, you know, you, you don't really know what you're going to do. You're going to get your major. You're going to get your degree. Unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something, it doesn't really matter where you go to school. As long as you just get that degree, that's a big thing. Go to Coastal Carolina. Go hang out at Myrtle Beach for four years while you're 18 and 20 years old. They got a cool football team. Their college baseball team won the World Series a few years ago. 
And then, you know, after you graduate and have a good time at Myrtle Beach for a few years, you know, then figure out your life or whatever. But, you know, they, they've got something there. They, and, got, they do. And master, current Masters champion is an alumni. Absolutely. So here's, here, there's the more real, more realistic way I would kind of spin it, Matt, is if you're a, you know, a group of five level talent, what, what in the world is making you go to, to Western Michigan, to Kalamazoo, when you have Coast Carolina, who is on college game day, uh, you know, not not even really like super far away, uh, right on the coast, Myrtle Beach. Like that is just such a no brainer. They got the the teal turf. Like I'm going to Coastal Carolina. They gained a lot of recruits this season. Yeah, it's kind of like on the West Coast. I would definitely lean to go to UC Santa Barbara. I don't know if you've ever been to Santa Barbara, but it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. So, yeah, they got it going there. Well, let's talk a little college basketball here in just a second, and maybe we'll throw in a little entertainment before we wrap up. But I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They have the best expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators out there, an area business leader and a huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Also, Hankard Sportswear. They're the area's top clothing and more printing business located in the heart of Owasso, 116 West Exchange Street. Follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear and the CoronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. Well, it's been a little strange. We're still in football season, but basketball, college basketball season's underway now, and you know our Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans look like they're going to be right there in the hunt. Yeah, here's my biggest takeaway from Michigan State start of their season. Foster Lawyer, I'm loving this guy. He's been I, playing well. <laughs> he, clearly, he's not, you know, Magic Johnson, but he's better than being the walking turnover that he's been in the past. And we all are kind of rooting for this guy yes. because we saw him play in high school. He was incredible like sensational he was scoring 50 points a night like at will in high school I don't understand why that didn't translate translate to college it's good to see that it's somehow some way kind of is think a little bit of the maturity level you know he's had a couple years under his belt now and now he's become a leader on the floor he's kind of reminds me of you know you guys will laugh but he reminds me of Izzo a little bit I mean he's like the Mm -hmm. captain on the court playing with a lot of confidence he started off the season with a bang with what 20 against Eastern even though Eastern was uh, short short mend uh he did play well and he's been playing well in these games that count too yeah i, th- I think he, part of it was because like you said jared he i mean really legitimately one of the best high school basketball players in michigan history really with, with how he ended his career so he came in with that and you know cassius winston was there so there was kind of like you know i don't know like a, a baton to hand off if you want to say that like people wanted to see who was going to take over point guard after Cassius Winston. So that first year or two with lawyer, it wasn't looking so good. So yeah, credit to him to keep working on his game. And, you know, they said like he hit the weight room hard, you know, put on some bounds and stuff. Cause it's a very good college basketball point guard. Like I don't think he'll make a, you know, have a mm-hmm. shot to go to the league, but that doesn't matter. He's, he's going to be a very good college basketball point guard. And that's exactly what Izzo's always had one of those guys. It seems like, right. Yeah, I like him coming off the bench too. You know, I mean, he is a little bit of a defensive liability, but yeah, energy uh, brings energy. Hits a couple threes off the bench. I think that's the perfect role for him. The one guy that I, you know, I hate Michigan State. Pretty much hate everybody on this (laughs) roster. Hate I've had anyone's ever put on the green and white. Josh Langford. How do you not root for this guy? I I don't know how he even has eligibility. Still, I'm not really going to lie about that. Seems like he's been injured for the past seven years, and finally he's on the court again. But it's it's an incredible story. I mean, Big Ten Comeback Player of the Year, if that's even an award, he he wins it right now. If he stays healthy. Very good shot of that. Yeah, he's you got to root for him. And really, if you look at Michigan State man for man. I mean, they match up with anybody in the country. I mean, this is another potential Final Four team for Izzo. I mean, they're playing well. They and just watching the guys they bring in that they start and bring in off the bench. Very good team. 
Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, Izzo, it always seems like they have these games where maybe they struggle a little bit early in the season. Like, who'd they play? Oh, U of D. Uh, yeah, Detroit Mercy. They struggled yeah, a little they bit. they struggled with Detroit Mercy. It was Detroit's first game, so maybe they, you know, they were coming out with high energy. Um, but, you know, they always seem to, Michigan State, they always seem to turn around with Izzo. And, yeah, they're, they're, they're a deep squad. So I'll be very curious to see how they progress through the years or through the season. Um, but Michigan, you know, like they, there's a lot of potential there. Like a lot of people were picking Michigan to be like six, seven, eight in the Big Ten, you know, something like that, almost like middle of the road kind of. But they're they're playing right now, and um, they're up. Let's see, they're up 20 right now as we're recording this on UCF. So it looks like they're going to win this game. And to me, like Isaiah Livers, obviously he looks like the leader. He's playing pretty well right now. But these some of the freshmen, like Hunter Dick, Dickinson, Terrence Williams, some of these freshmen that Jawan brought in are looking like guys that need to just be on the floor because whenever they come in they bring energy they score they play a little defense like yeah might be a little sloppy because they're freshmen but i'm to the point where it's like because you see michigan state you see iowa with luca garza just dominating everyone michigan you know you need to just like try something if this hunter dickinson kid is going to be you know one of the best players in the next year or two for michigan just keep him on the floor you know just play him (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And what did you guys make of the like Jawan Howard and Isaiah Livers interaction? A lot, of, a lot of people I saw were saying like, if Tom Izzo did this, he would be in the story on ESPN for a whole week and things like that. Somewhat, somewhat true. I could kind of agree, but it almost looked like Livers was the one that kind of was being an idiot in that situation. Maybe that's just because I'm, I have my Jawan blinders on, where anything that guy does, I just love. But it seems like they kind of worked it out, and I liked what both of them said, like in the post game, which is basically that this is kind of how we do it. Like right, we just are, go at each other a little bit when it, when we need to. Yeah, I agree with you 100. percent It was it it was no big deal to me at all. Yeah, they were jawing at each other, but the difference between Juwan and him and Izzo, Izzo gets right in the face of the players and and doesn't stop. Yeah. Howard walked away. You know, Livers was still giving him lip, but uh, I thought they they handled it well, like you said in the post game. It was no big deal. That's how they operate. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, I've definitely been critical of Izzo's style, and, you know, that's the thing. If the players are cool with it and, you know, the players' parents, you know, everyone in the program is cool with Izzo's style, which everyone in Spartan Nation is cool with Izzo's style, and, you know, rightfully so because he's one hell of a coach. Um, but I've been critical of it because, like you said, Ted, like just the way that he, like, screams at his players' faces and really, like, almost, like, berates them, I think that was – it's a little different than what Juwan and – and livers were doing and you know i can i can see the criticism but right when livers comes out laughs it off and says like this is our relationship this is how we talk to each other at practice he was holding me accountable you know when when people say michigan state's players are cool with izzo's style when livers says that about Jawan, that immediately makes it to me like a no issue you yeah. know like if, if they're cool with it and they they know that Jawan wasn't treating him bad or like singling him out or whatever then Whatever, move on. You know, you brought up the the fact that Michigan's got some pretty talented uh, freshmen, and we got to really give credit to Jawan Howard, man. He's he's done a nice job recruiting these kids. He obviously can coach them up. You know, he started off last season. Remember, they played in that uh, holiday tournament right out of the gate and uh-huh. beat some really big schools, and had a solid season. But I, I think this guy is for real and should be in Ann Arbor for as long as he wants to be. I agree wholeheartedly. The the one thing I'm a little upset with about college basketball is why is it every damn year in this Champions Classic, mm. it's Michigan State and Duke or Michigan State versus Kentucky. <laughs> Can we get some new teams in there? Like Michigan State hasn't won a title in 20 years. The champ, they're not quote unquote these this big championship program. Get some new blood in there. Pick your Sick four. Sick of watching these same pick, teams every single year. Pick your four. 
What do you? Who do you want instead? It's, these are the same four. I'm just saying, like right off the rip, it's these same exact four teams every year: Kansas, Kentucky, it is. Duke, Michigan State. Yep. So who do you want just, instead? The whoever is like the, the flavor of the year. Okay, like Gonzaga. Teams, Gonzaga. Yes, like Gonzaga. Let's get them in there from time to time. Let's get some of these other teams that are damn good. Probably a better program than Michigan State. Let's give them the chance. We don't need Michigan State getting this national exposure on probably the biggest <laughs> regular season game of the year every single year. Yes, they won it this year. Normally they lose this game. Well, six Final Fours probably dictate a little I, bit there. I, do we agree though? I mean, how about something different? Kinda. I kind of. Is it the Champions Classic or is it the classic Michigan State versus Duke game every year? Yeah, I would like to see some different teams in that. Like, I, I would, I wish they would almost like take the scheduling, you know, and like this year, Iowa with Luca Garza. Yeah. Clearly, he's probably going to be Player of the Year. Put them in there, you know, give give them the spotlight for the season because they've got a player like him. So yeah, I'd I'd, I'd be cool switching it up because it does get a little old, like this Champions Classic. Oh, cool, it's the same teams again. But sometimes I like it too because Michigan State loses those games, so then I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, well, I could take it, take it or leave it either way. I kind of like it just due to the fact that I mean, you look at those four programs. It's, I mean, you don't get much better than the those four programs. It, and that's it's the, the thing. coaches. It's college right. basketball is is fueled by coaches. I understand. Correct. That. One last thought on college basketball that I have is. I'm a little bit already burnt out. I don't know about you guys, just because usually what it is is college basketball. Of all like the major sports, I feel like the regular season it's the worst. It's the one that's the one that isn't just isn't as entertaining as college football regular season or NFL regular season, right. NBA regular season. It's it's the worst. Yeah, we went through an entire regular season last year just to get cut just short of the tournament. Now we have to go through a whole another regular season for hopefully a tournament. They're talking about bubble this, bubble that. Like I'm just. I'm kind of already a one step out on this season already. I don't know, I kinda, I, and that's I, I. I wish I didn't felt that way. I used to be the biggest college. But I remember literally almost crying when Kentucky lost to Michigan State with Julius Randle in the <laughs> Champions Classic, like when I was a freshman. But it's it, <laughs> but it's just different now. I don't have that same heart into it. I don't know. It's a sad day well, that I had a, had that realization. Let's hope we get it back. But yeah, college basketball to me is all about March Madness for for sure. Yeah, and, and that's what kind of made me think. Like, I wonder. I, I wondered when the season started if they should have waited a little bit, you know, and kind of see, like, maybe push the season back to, like, mid-December, even, like, the holidays, you know, start maybe around Christmas time to see kind of how this COVID stuff all plays out or whatever because it just seems like, you know, that you could be setting yourself up for some outbreaks and a bunch of cancellations and who knows what's going to happen in the season because that's the main thing, like you guys just said. We all just want to see March Madness. Go ahead and play your conference season so you can crown a – you know, a Big Ten champion or an ACC champion or whatever. But the main thing is is March Madness. So let's just, however we have to do it, make sure we get to March Madness so we can see a tournament because if we have to go another spring without March Madness, I think we'll all be pretty pissed off. Amen. Well, we're going to wrap this podcast up with a quick uh, tedertainment tonight. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to tell you that uh, our station, our local radio station, Z92.5, that's where we record this podcast every week. Uh, Jared, I don't know if I even told you if if the high school football playoffs resume. We'll find out more Tuesday after Governor Whitmer makes her announcement. But uh, we'll be on the air Tuesday, uh, December 15th, down at Detroit Loyola. You ready to go? It's on a Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday night oh. at 7. What in the world is going on out here? <laughs> Cancel the damn season. God damn. We'll oh find out. God. All right. Let's get into a little. Cancel the, I mean, are we kidding me? Cancel the damn season. That's when it's going to be. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Yep. Why Why a Tuesday night? What is the. Uh, they're trying to you, fit everything in before the end of the year. They got three rounds, <laughs> three games yet to go. Well, they, you know, keep in mind, they got the winter season's got to start canceling. sometime. What a joke. They're canceling <laughs> it. Oh, my God. Stay tuned. Now I got to say, 
I got to say, I understand trying to finish it, and I can't imagine if you're a senior on a, on a team that's about to make a run to a state title, I can't imagine losing your season. But at this point, like, you're, you're playing playoff games on a Tuesday in mid-December. And yeah, it just seems seems like a mess. Without yeah, practicing like said, for a month. Winter seasons happen to start. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, I, I, I 100% agree. And here's my second political statement of the night. They should have never stopped the playoffs. They should have let them keep playing, you know, maybe – don't let fans go, but they should have let them just finish I feel it like out. if you agree with that, then you were okay with the schools staying open. Staying open. Well, maybe I was. All right. I, all right. I just I feel like you can't. Those two have to be hand in hand. Yeah. You can't. You can't do one or the other. Fair enough, but I think I think they should just let them finish it out. That's my opinion. Well, Matt, I know you had a little bit of uh, you watched a show we've talked about before. You don't normally watch, but you checked out Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So last night, uh, my wife and I, we were up like having having some drinks or whatever and we watched a movie and i saw i remember seeing uh like a promo that on saturday night jason live bateman. jason bateman and morgan wallen i know jared you know who morgan yep, wallen well, is i don't know if ted you know who he is no um, clue he's like one of the hotter country music artists right now oh um they were going to be the guests on saturday night live so i was like hey we're up i i like jason bateman i like morgan morgan wallen you know let me watch this and uh, <laughs> man I don't know the last time I watched Saturday Night Live live. Honestly, 20 years or something. Like, I honestly have no idea the last time I actually watched it live. But if it wasn't for wanting to see Bateman or Morgan Wallen, you know, perform, it was, like, pretty rough. Like, there were a couple, you know, last moments. Like, I know, Ted, you've said, like, the weekend update. That was pretty good. You know, that's kind of like a staple. Yeah, that's usually decent. It was, I mean, we were sitting there and, just like, oh my God! Like, can we just get to these performances? Like, this is all I want to see. So it's sitting on my DVR. Know, so what's that? It's sitting on my DVR. So you're giving me a negative, right? Like that's what I mean. It, there's there was a couple good skits. You know, Bateman, his monologue was eh. Okay. Um, the skits that he was in were just okay. Like, How about Pete Davidson as Eminem? How was that? That that was good. But again, like you could you could watch that on Twitter or whatever. True. You know? So like that that was actually really good. But overall, I, I just sat there. It really made me like, I don't know now, the next time I'm going to watch SNL Live again because I just wasted an hour and a half or whatever yeah. doing it. That's where, Matt, we're officially reaching kind of the peak of co- coronavirus boredom. This last Saturday night, you know what I did? I drove all the way to Lansing, went to Chick-fil-A, sat in the line for about an hour, got Chick-fil-A, drove home. <laughs> that was my Saturday night. That's what we're doing now. It's, it's horrible. There's nothing to do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. No doubt. We're watching Saturday Night Live. Okay, I'll throw out my final thing here for you guys. Uh, Fargo, you've heard me talk about it before. They just wrapped up season four. Uh, it was it was good. It wasn't as good as uh, maybe the other seasons. This one had Chris Rock in it. It was a little confusing at times. Filmed and it was dark a lot, but uh, didn't live quite up to season two. But I think if you want to watch a series that won't take forever, start with season one with Billy Bob Thornton. Very good. Season two is fantastic. And if, if you watch those two seasons, it'll suck you in. But I've got to tell you something, Jared. I know you laughed about Yellowstone and Kevin Costner and me, you know, be, me being the old guy. But And, and normally when I'm on here for Tedertainment tonight, I'm going to tell our listeners what I enjoy, what this 64-year-old guy would enjoy. I won't necessarily tell you, Jared, or Matt, you got to watch this. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I won't. Yellowstone, I think if you gave it a shot, I think you'd really like it. I mean, it's it's kind of like a Western Sopranos. I mean, it's I, I'm, you know, in midway through the second season out of three, it's just fantastic. I really think you would like it. 
It, it, it's kind wow. of an R-rated series on Paramount Network. It's on Paramount. Yeah. Okay. I I like it. Paramount has had a few pretty good shows that I have enjoyed, so I I wouldn't be against trying it out. Watch you the first episode or so. You pitched it to me. I'll, I'll give it an episode watch. Okay, Am I going to make sure I get it done this week? No, but I will over Christmas break over that course of time when I have Give it a shot. Do, I will give it a shot. And 100%. then let me know what you think. The show that is kind of gripping me right now, uh, just total stranglehold right now, Survivor. What a show. <laughs> I know that this show has been around for a long ass time, and I have watched it before. I remember watching it when I was five years old. You know, my parents and my brothers used to watch it all the time when it was on TV. Now it's on Netflix. They put the two best seasons that they think oh. ever are on Netflix: season twenty-eight and season twenty. I've already rolled through both of those. I'm now on Amazon Prime Video watching another season. Hmm. This show is the best reality show maybe ever created. It's the perfect blend. I love the challenges. I love the the like backstabbing. And and the overall just general idea of the game and the fact that they're stranded, it's the perfect show. Uh, let me Jeff Probst is an all-time uh, host as well. I agree with you to a certain extent, and I know there's people out there that are just absolutely die-hard Survivor fans, you know, and I, I was sucked into it the very first season. I watched it for four or five seasons, and then I, I got out. Just be, The only reason I got out it never changed. It was always the same concept, just different cast. You know, they had almost always the same kind of challenges. Yeah. They had the same kind of backstabbing, <laughs> you know. But for, as far as reality show goes, I mean, what is it, 28 seasons, 30 seasons, whatever it is, it's phenomenal. I'll give you that. Yeah, I never really got into Survivor. Um, something along those lines. I used to really be into the MTV challenges. Yep. Those shows, like it used to be Real World versus Road Rules. That's kind of how it started. It's now just like the challenges i used to be into those it's hard for me like like even with those they just it's they happen so often and then same with survivors seemed like it was just like always happening i could never like get into it but it always the survivor it always felt scripted to me maybe because i didn't actually watch it and get into it 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 felt fake and scripted but i could be wrong yeah i didn't realize though that it's popped up now on netflix and they're actually pinpointing the best Yes. one or two seasons that that's got me intrigued a little bit yes uh, there's one season that i'm watching right now and you and i agree there are but they now do have they have like different themes like this one i'm watching right now it's an all men tribe versus an all female tribe. Oh, okay like or they mixed it up a little bit. or there's like brains versus brawn versus like beauty where it's three different <laughs> tribes and it's like there's some decent little themes to it and i just i i enjoy them okay I, I don't know. It's a great show. Like I said, it's just the per- it's right in my wheelhouse. It hits every different tar- area of my brain: the sports jock like brain side with the challenges, the like conniving kind of backstabbing part. Like there's a little bit of everything. Skimpy clothes it. on some of the chicks, yeah, right? That as well. That as well. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll call this a podcast. Uh, before I wrap it up officially, I know we've been getting quite a few. Uh, quite a few comments and hits on Twitter, Matt. And again, tell our listeners the best way to maybe reach out to us, send us some comments, send us some questions, maybe some potential guests they'd like to see us line up. What's the best way to reach us here at Three Point Pod? Yeah, I mean, probably the best way is like you mentioned on Twitter, or we are on Instagram and Facebook um, at Three Point Pod. But yeah, we tweet out a bunch of stuff, and we all have our own personal Twitter pages too. But yeah, you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like you said, guest uh, recommendations or just tell us we're idiots for our takes on the Lions or Michigan. We get some of that. We do get some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love it. You know, we made it three years. Our third anniversary show is officially over. But uh, we love to hear from our listeners out there. And uh, they're still there. So I guess if they're still there, we'll still be there, right? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. That's a wrap. Let's uh, just want to remind you, follow our partners. Tell them you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Chrono Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thank you again for listening and supporting Three Point Podcast. Don't forget, mask it up out there. Three Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at Three Point Pod or by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.